welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. My guest today is nationally recognized home transition expert, Caroline Carter. Caroline helps sellers to get the most money when they sell their home or apartment. She's also the author of a fabulous book called Smart Moves. Caroline's gonna to talk to us today a little bit about the residential real estate market, what we might expect coming out of this pandemic, and most importantly for your purposes, what you might wanna do right now to prepare just in case you may decide to relocate. Caroline's gonna give us some great tips and suggestions for not only the types of projects that we might wanna tackle, but also how to manage the emotional challenges associated with those projects as well. Caroline, my friend, welcome to She Said, She Said. Welcome again, I should say. Thank you, Laura. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you too. I hope that you and yours are doing well. Well, we're, I think we're just as stir crazy as everybody else, but, but yes, we're all well and, you know, thankful that, that there's no one that's sick around us. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, um, you are actually joining us from Florida. Talk Beautiful, sunny Florida, 75 right now. Oh, so nice. I'm very yeah. jealous. Um, let's start off the conversation by kind of level setting. Where is the residential real estate market right now? How are people thinking about this? For people that were already thinking about selling their homes, what's happening in that space? What about people who are sort of contemplating this? Give me maybe your sense of the overall landscape. Well, my sense of the overall landscape is that our spring market 2020 never really got started. And I believe prior to COVID, those that were planning on listing their properties uh, in the spring, which is typically, typically our largest market, will just wait till the summer, you know, and, and the fall. So we're going to have an interesting... Uh, summer market, which will really be our spring market. I think that COVID has created a situation where there will be many more sellers than perhaps we even originally anticipated due to family circumstances changing. Um, people are losing jobs. I think people are doing a deep dive into their own thought process around, gee, you know, let's, let's look at where we live, how we live. Um, what we really want. I mean, I think COVID has really brought people to their knees in terms of examining, you know, looking at how fragile life is and are we living the life that we want for our family? So I think that the, the market, and I'm positive there will be one um, once the bans are lifted and we're able to return um, with some of these uh, policies and procedures in place, like our social distancing. And um, I, I definitely think that we will return to uh, having a market this summer. And I think that there will be more people who hadn't even anticipated they would be moving who will now consider it. Yeah. So your business is focusing on the seller of homes, Correct. You're a home transition expert. So mm -hmm. you can work in tandem with realtors, certainly, but really your business is about helping the seller. Let's talk a little bit about how people can maybe maximize their time, even people that maybe are not contemplating selling their home. One never knows what can happen in this sure. really crazy environment. 
how should they, or how's a way that they can be spending their time to maybe plan for something like this? Well, I, I think, well, we can never plan for something like COVID, but now right. that it's here um, and we've all been sequestered for so many weeks, I, I've, seen, um, I've seen something that really gladdens my heart, and that is families approaching home improvement projects together, using them as, as bonding exercises, teaching exercises, where the family is able to look objectively around the house, whether it's the attic, the basement, the garage, closets, you know, whatever it is, and saying, you know, if we could rank all the things that we'd like to do in our house in terms of what we think we might be able to approach as a family, um, and, and they're actually getting it done. It's, it's great for kids to see a family bonding over an activity. Like let's take, you know, cleaning the basement or a storage room, how even the youngest family members are given tasks, you know, where they're able to, you know, contribute by age. Mm -hmm. um, and, and families are pulling together and they're using it as a learning exercise, but also a bonding exercise. I think that sellers, that are savvy and smart and understand the opportunity we have. No one's ever been at home at the same time together, mm -hmm. but to use this opportunity to address the delayed maintenance that yeah. perhaps they've, they've overlooked for years, or again, the, the organization that's required for when your house is going to go on the market to, to look at all these different areas that you will ultimately present to potential buyers attics, basements, bedrooms, kitchens, what are these fast, easy, and inexpensive updates that, that I can complete while I'm home, since right. I'm home? Right. And so they're, they're using their time really effectively and making their time in quarantine count. Yeah. And as you pointed out to me earlier, home improvement stores, for the most part, are open. because They are open and they are doing a bang up business. Um, yeah. And I think that's why you know, sellers, but, but families in general are saying, you know, what are some of the things we can do without necessarily inviting trades or vendors into our home? What are some of the things that we can do by ourselves? And if they're concerned about actually physically going into Home Depot, my, my go-to, um, then they can order the, the, the products online and they're delivered to the door. That could be anything from organizing closets to, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be a, a paint project that the family's doing together. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the, the home improvement stores are very, very crowded right now. Hard yeah. to believe, but they are. You have this great analogy that you use, and I'm probably going to torture it just a little bit. So for okay, sure. in advance. But you talk about getting rid of the emotional ivy in some of your literature and some of the content that you put together. When you think about this moment in time where people are anxious, they're working hard to deal with anxiety, but I'm sure mm -hmm. every person listening, you know, that uncertainty that's hanging over all of sure. us is really unsettling. How do you advise a person go after one of those big projects while still managing the anxiety or sort of the emotions that are wrapped up in dealing with 
your stuff. And as you know, because you've helped me through That's uh, right. more, more moves than I can count, I have a lot of stuff. So you have a lot of stuff. Concept. You know yeah. what? You're not alone, Laura, because the according to the LA Times that, that did an article that I absolutely love, the average American home contains 300,000 items. Yeah. That's a lot of items. That, those are a lot of items to, to, you know, have in your home. The, the way to look at this in order to sort of manage the overwhelm, keep it at bay and manage the anxiety. You know, we all start to hyperventilate a little bit when we think about, oh my God, how do I start the attic? I just, I literally can't even open the door. Is to understand that when you're talking about these home organizational projects, and, and talking about getting your home ready to sell, you, you have to change your mindset, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and this is where the emotional ivy that you just mentioned comes in. When we buy a house, think of it in terms of a physical structure and property, right? The bricks and mortar of what you're buying. But what we do is we invest our time and ourselves into every piece of furniture, every object we lovingly place and we assign you know, emotional attachment to all of that. And that's why I describe it like emotional ivy, that as we build our lives in these homes, that ivy is growing outside of our home and throughout our rooms. It really pulls it all together. So you can understand when we have to go to make decisions, let's say we're selling our home and we need to try to make these decisions, you can blame it on the emotional ivy because in essence, it's taken years of really lovingly creating this home. And now I'm suggesting, okay, wait a minute. Now you're going to sell this home. Not only do you need to rip the ivy, which you know ivy, ivy will adhere to brick and it's almost impossible to pull off, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have to change your mindset. You have to consider your home a house. So in order to really effectively progress through this process, you need to just look at it non-emotionally. And that means looking at your things non-emotionally, very difficult to do, but it's really the only way that you can chunk it, meaning you know, break these large projects down into manageable steps where you can complete a step, pat yourself on the back and move on. Yeah. So, and the emotional ivy makes it very difficult because in fact, we're making this all about us, but when you go to package a home to sell it, it's not about you at all. It's about the buyer, right? And understanding their wants and needs and preferences and what they expect. Oh, that's great advice. Okay, let's go a step or two further. We have established that mindset that what yes. we're talking about is not our loves, but our stuff. Right. Yes. So yes. we've crossed that bridge. You still have this enormous, you know, garage, basement, closet, guest room, whatever it happens to be in your scenario. Yes. What's the next thing you do? What is the what's what's sort of your recommendation for how you go about tackling one of these things? Once you've got the mindset in the right place, sure. Sure. Keep reminding yourself this is stuff. It's not about right. you know, it's not about home. It's about stuff. Sure. What what's next? Okay, so what's next is let's take a step back here uh, emotionally and, and let's assess the space. What are we talking about in terms of width, depth, height? Okay, 
what is the purpose of the space? I mean, we, we all love to, you know, in our extremely busy lives pre-COVID, we would just stick whatever into the closet because it was the closest place. Right. So you'd open up a, a, you know, a foyer closet, there'd be gardening things, there'd be light bulbs, there'd be, no, we have the time now. So how do we do it right? The first thing we do is we assess the space, okay? What do I need to keep here? What do I want to keep here, okay? And where is it going to fit logically? And what sort of organizational products do I need to support keeping it in this space? Mm -hmm. Alternatively, if I'm, I'm getting my house ready to sell and we don't want these cluttered rooms and we're considering storage, short-term, long-term, palletized storage, accessible storage, do, is this particular thing that I want to keep? do I understand what it's going to cost me to keep over time? Now, I don't want to go sideways into another, you know, storage because, oh my God, storage is just a whole other, a whole other conversation. But so what you want to do is you want to touch each one of these items once and you want to use a very simple, and you'll be familiar with this, my one inch blue painters tape and black Sharpies. Yes. Very simple coding system. Yeah. For, you know, PK for pack to store, D for dump or donate, and S for sell or, you know, an action item, meaning you're going to get it appraised. You're going to try to sell it. Once you've made those designations, you are then going to build back based on um, your, your ability, no, your necessity to reach that piece, meaning there are going to be things like a wedding dress, um, you know, your parents' mementos that if you're looking at an attic, for instance, they can go all the way back on shelves. You've already ordered your, you know, your airtight plastic bins of the appropriate size, right, that have been delivered. So you're getting rid of things like, you know, boxes and, my God, things that are rolled up into old sheets and so forth. So you're creating a new organizational structure. I like clear bins like you do, right? So that you can see at, at, a, at a glance what's in that bin and you're gonna organize it by need. Meaning how often do I have to, to, to get to this? You know, if it's gonna be, you know, a pull down attic and you've got room for, for, for bedding and a fan and a blow up bed and so forth and so on, that's gonna be closer right, to those attic steps, then, you know, my parents' mementos, which are going to be all the way in the back. I think if you look at each and every space, not with what it currently contains, but think about it as empty. Yeah. And, and, and really physically remove everything from that space, even if you make one big, huge pile in a room and begin to make meaningful choices mm -hmm. and understand, walk that choice all the way through. I'm keeping this. Why are you keeping this? Because I'm keeping all the kids' mementos. Okay. So in 30 years, when Ben says, you know what, Laura, or you know what, Caroline, I don't want all my trophies and my handprints from first grade and so forth and so on. So you walk these through and understand the cost associated with, you know, keeping it or not keeping it, meaning the emotional cost of I need to keep these things. These are, these are for my kids. They're very important to me, you know, whatever it is. So, so you assess the space, you assess the cost, and then you begin to build back in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's great advice. You mentioned offsite off storage. 
talk to, to us about the dangers of offsite storage. It can seem like a great quick fix when you just need a place to put stuff. Talk about the dangers of that. It is the fastest growing segment of the realist, commercial real estate. Billions, <laughs> honest to God. Uh, you know, I should either invest in a car wash or a storage facility. Um, storage is a great option, but it should be looked at and considered very seriously. When we are going through and making choices about our things, we need to look years down the road because what happens is we put things into storage and without a a very uh, specific pictorial inventory, we will lose sight very quickly of what's in that storage because we are so relieved to get it out of the house and we are so proud of ourselves that we have you know, given our credit card to put that in storage, it's nicely packed and literally we wanna forget about it and check it off our list. Right. That is the biggest danger. Storage is a big black hole for us. Um, Again, I think you need to be mindful to understand that, you know, self-storage is great if there's a time limit on it. The industry has made it extremely easy to solve our problems by saying, just give us your credit card. We'll give you one month free, two months free. We'll upgrade your unit. Once they get your credit card, you are on an automatic increase every, you know, cert uh, over a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it's just automatically increased. And you may register over time. Wow, that seems like it's getting more expensive over time, but you're still not going to deal with it. So getting back to what is the cost of delaying the decision mm -hmm. for this particular item. Mm -hmm. And w when I've seen families use it successfully, they say, I am going to allow us to have, you know, one year of storage. And this is especially important for families that are downsizing, you know, for couples that are downsizing that have, that have, you know, soon to be adult kids or their adult kids living, you know, in a place where they don't have the space. Mm -hmm. I get that. But at some point, you know, you have to look at it and say, okay, we're spending or we've spent X amount of money every month for X amount of years. So I think there has to be a, I, I think there have to be some parameters to make good solid decisions to walk it through and understand really what the cost is of the delayed decision-making. Yeah, yeah. So Caroline, I wanna pivot a little bit and talk sure. about your own business. You, like so many of the women that we've had on recently, and especially during COVID, you are the CEO of a woman small business, a woman-owned small business, mm -hmm. which is amazing. But it's evolved, it has evolved from the business that you started and ran for what, 20 years or so, 15, uh, 15, 15, 15 years, years yeah. into more of a content business where you're using the experience and expertise that you've developed over that 15 years in a very different way. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the evolution of your business, how that's going, sort of how, how it's changed and what you're doing now. Sure. Um, and you wrote a book. Oh my gosh. You, you wrote Smart Moves, which is amazing. And that was kind of the launch of this, of this, right. new, this evolution for you. Sure. As part of my five-year personal plan, as well as my business plan, I, over the past couple of years, have been moving toward being able to reach larger num numbers of people. As you know, having lived in Washington, D.C. and worked in the D.C. metro area, 
I was able to service clients, multiple clients per week with the teams that I employed, but I really felt like my mission was more to number one, educate about a process that no one really recognizes and still doesn't because the total home transition process that I refer to combines two industries. The, this, the real estate industry, meaning the packaging and sale of your house and the moving industry. Um, so it really combines those two industries. Um, my mission has always been to get as close to reaching as many sellers as possible so that they understand that this is a definable process. The first way that I thought was going to be effective, the first way to do it was to really to write the book, which I did. And that has been sort of a cult breakout favorite for realtors and sellers alike, which is yeah. great because it breaks down this process step-by-step. Step. What I'm working on currently is a, a, an online course where I am able to walk with sellers through the process. Because as you and I both know, it is, it's a lot. It's a lot um, for them to deal with emotionally, physically, financially, and bringing my particular area of expertise live to them, I, I think is going to make a difference for a lot of sellers who, who don't live within the Washington, D.C. area, who really need help with this process. So yeah. I'm, I'm continuing to try to figure out ways to reach the consumers that really need the help and figuring out ways to get to them. Yeah. What's your advice for other entrepreneurs and women in particular who are maybe evolving their, either evolving their an existing business or maybe transitioning into something very different? What do you have in terms of advice for that person who's contemplating that? What should she know? Oh, I think one of the things she should know is that Building a business is never a straight line. There is, while there are millions of experts, you know, everybody's an expert in everything today. Not all experts are created equal. I am a, a, a truth teller and have always told the truth and will always tell the truth. And I think that that will place you in good stead if, if you establish a, re a reputation for truly um, telling people not what they want to hear, but telling people what they need to know to help them be successful. So you're creating solutions. I think as a result of COVID in particular, we have proved that online education is possible mm -hmm. and it is going to explode. I think that um, being able to figure out what your particular superpower is and if it's providing solutions in a particularly difficult area of our lives, I think we're now more comfortable than we ever have been in terms of ferreting out who really is the best at this. And because of the internet, because of online education, we're able to find them immediately. Um, I would also say, don't be scared to make the leap. I think that being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do um, because it changes daily, but that's what makes it so dynamic. Um, and to, to really take the chance, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a journey for us all. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. What's the best part for you? The flexibility. Yeah. 
the, I, I think the flexibility, I, when I started this company 15 years ago, I was newly divorced with three little kids and needed that flexibility to be able to continue my, my duties and my obligations to my children, as well as provide a, an income stream to keep us in the area in which we had been living. Um, and I was able to do both. I'm also a very early riser, as you know, and was able to work before the kids, you know, even, even got up. I think that if you are a self-motivated person and you're organized, I think that, I think this could be the perfect platform, but I think you also have to be very truthful with yourself in terms of, you know, staying in your lane, um, focus on what you do well and surround yourself with solutions for what you don't do well. Um, you don't have to be all things to all people, but it's a great gift when you're able to find your voice in a, you know, and find solutions um, in a, in a, like if you take home transition, you know, I refer to myself as a home transition expert. Well, I made that up. Okay. Home transition doesn't even, it hasn't even existed as a, you know, as a, as an area of, you know, as a, as an industry, if you right. will. Um, so, so, so being open, being creative. And I think that again, post COVID, we are going to see such uh, a burst in creativity because people have had five weeks to think about it. Right. Gee, if I could do anything, what would I do? If I could live anywhere, where would I live? So I think just being, you know, genuine, that's, that's what I have found being genuine, know your limitations and, and you know what, go for it anyway. Yeah. Caroline, thank you. So wonderful to have you on again. I love seeing you. Thank you. Me too. Me too. To learn more about my guest, Caroline Carter, please check out the show notes for this episode, episode 102. I'll include links to Caroline's website, as well as a link to her fantastic book, Smart Moves. As always, with all of these conversations, my goal is to give you information and insight from these amazing women that hopefully will make your own journey just a little bit easier. I'm so grateful that you joined us today and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then.